Hello, welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, national NBA writer for the Washington Post, here with my pal, Anthony Slater, who, I, I, are you senior writer for The Athletic? Are you Warriors beat writer for The Athletic? What is your what is your title now? I don't even know. Uh, I mean, I don't know. The senior writer would be a little bold. I'm not sure I've reached that status anywhere. No. Um, I would, a Warriors reporter, whatever you want. I even dipped into some, some World Series, some baseball today, so uh, maybe it's not just Warriors anymore. Yeah, I saw that. You uh, interviewed, what, your high school high school uh, acquaintance, Brandon Morrow? Yeah, he's a little older. He played with my brother at Rancho. Um, you know, they were really good friends. I played actually played baseball for his dad. Lived on the same block as him. He's a setup man for Kenley Jansen now after what has been an interesting MLB career. So uh, not the start of this podcast I was expecting. Probably not, <laughs> probably not the story most people were expecting to, to pop out today. But uh, yeah, some type of writer for The Athletic, however you want to label it. Well, a baller. We'll, we'll call you a baller, just like uh, just right. like Jordan Bell and the rest of the Warriors. Uh, interesting, uh, interesting first week for the Warriors. Four games, two and two. Uh, close loss to the to the Rockets. Uh, pretty weird win over the over the Pelicans and a, a blowout loss to the um, to the Grizzlies and then a blowout win over the. Mavericks that was uh, more notable for Steph Curry playing and for Jordan Bell's dunk than for anything that actually happened in the game. So uh, now you're back in the Bay Area after an interesting week. Uh, what, what is kind of your sense of where these guys are at at this point? I mean, I, look, yesterday was their, their best win, which, you know, we're talking. Uh, the day after, they, they beat the Mavericks by 30. It was predictable. You know, when this team gets a little criticism, um, especially, you know, mostly from their coach. Steve Kerr's kind of been killing them publicly. Right. Uh, they usually respond, especially with an off day in advance. You knew they were going to come out. They were up, I think, 18-6 in about three minutes yesterday. Uh, the Mavericks came back a little bit because the Warriors are having these issues, which aren't too surprising, with defensive focus, energy, not boxing out at times, not getting back in transition, uh, which has you know burned them in Memphis because Memphis actually was looking good early in the season. They really kind of hit them in the mouth. Uh, it did a little bit in the Rockets game where they lose that game, a little bit in the Pelicans game early, um, but they really corrected it for the first time. They played their best, most complete half, I thought, of the first four games yesterday when uh, I think they're up only three heading into the second half and just run away from the Mavericks to end up winning that second half by 27 points, locked in defensively. There is zero concern around this team about, like, uh, you know, they know that they have the switch. It's just about, like, how long are they going to have the throttle on? When will they have it on? And when will they stop complaining about the China trip? Yeah, that that's kind of what I wanted to get to. Um, you know, the Warriors don't need any excuses made for them. They obviously have worlds of talent. They should, if they're healthy, win the, win the championship again this year without too much trouble. Uh, how, how much of everything that's gone on here, whether it's Steph and KD kind of losing their cool the other day, the lack of conditioning, the lack of defensive focus, how much of that goes back to that China trip and the fact that for about a 10-day stretch, they basically did no basketball stuff? I think a little bit of it, but you know that's a bit over. That's been overrated to me because guess what? The story was coming into camp. They had twelve guys returning, including right. the top seven in minutes played. They didn't need a bunch of like gel time. I felt a lot worse for the Timberwolves over there for multiple reasons, as we <laughs> talked about, but including including Tibbs having them practice every single day while they were in China, including the moment they got off the plane, yeah, going right to the gym. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the truth is, look, like the jet lag was an issue, and sure they didn't get as much conditioning time in, but this is not like Steve Kerr wants to play these guys 40 minutes a night and just right. haven't been able to. I mean, they're playing normal minutes. Uh, I just think it's, 
Um, a mild lack of interest early on in the season, which I don't think that's necessarily a China thing. They can talk about it a little bit, but I just why, you know, there's, I'm not surprised they're not that interested. I mean, we all know when their season's going to matter. They did it last season too. They're four and two. If you remember through six games last year, including a blowout loss to the Lakers. And really right now they should be three and one. If Draymond doesn't get that knee injury in the opener, they should have beat the Rockets, did beat the Pelicans, easily beat the Mavs. Um, the Grizzlies game, and that was the second night of a back-to-back. You know, we've talked about the NBA lengthening out its schedule uh, and that has been a good thing and it will be a good thing for all teams but that was still they had one of those 8:30 local time tips in new orleans which they won and then got to memphis i think they got to their hotel around 3 3 30 a.m played at 7 p.m so uh that was just a tired atmosphere around the warriors meanwhile a very like you know saturday night beale street i believe yeah. memphis is, i think it might have been memphis's home opener no they played they played new they, orleans in the opener but okay. that also over the last couple of years that's also always been a weird just a weird game i think steve curve and joke that every time they play them early in the season they lose it just they've had a lot of trouble for whatever reason with memphis even even after they've been good they had that blow they had that uh collapse last year and lost uh in Oracle to them, they were up, I think, 20 at the start of the fourth quarter and lost. They lost. They got blown out there last year uh, when they were struggling a little bit. I mean, it, it's always been kind of a weird uh, hold the, the Grizzlies have had over them. Yeah, they blew them out last year there. But, um, I mean, even when that loss happened, though, you're sitting there looking at it and going, they're going to have off day tomorrow. You, they're probably going to respond pretty well against the Mavericks, which they did. And then they're going to go home. They're going to have the off day, which is the day we're talking. And then they got Raptors, Pistons, I think it's Raptors, Wizards, Pistons at yep. home over the next three games. Yep. You're sitting there like, you know, they're probably going to be a 5-2 and two by next week. And nobody's really going to be worried. Um, so I don't think there was ever any type of doubt at all, you know, through one and two. But it has been an interesting four games for many reasons. You mentioned a few at the beginning. At least there's been some spice around the team. Yes, it's been a nice been a nice change after, you know, virtually all of last year there was, you know, really only manufactured things to talk about. At least this year there's been uh, some interesting stuff. Let's start with the most recent one. What uh you had some really good stuff for the athletic about kind of the the scene after the game uh after the the Jordan Bell dunk late and kind of everything that that was going on around the team uh as that played out both during and after the game what were what was kind of your thoughts on on that whole sequence and and you know it just in general what are your what are your thoughts on Bell and kind of the way that that some of these older guys on the team have seemed to really take a liking to him yeah well um first of all when it happened I mean it was like kind of stunning you know you're sitting there and it's it's mop-up time I think it was about two and a half minutes left 24 point game uh, and he, he had a breakaway, so you're like, ooh, you know, maybe he's going to do something nice. But when, it's pretty crazy that when you see the guy actually go for it, just a, you know, a fire it off the backboard to himself, middle of an NBA game. And, uh, you know, it was like one of those reactions in the arena, like, whoa, you could hear everyone do that. Um, Durant, Draymond popped up, and, like, you know, they you could tell. Bell loves Durant Draymond, which I'll get to in a second, and their lockers are now next to each other on the road. But uh, he, if you watch it, he dunks and immediately turns to them, and they're reacting like, you know, awesome. That was awesome, rookie. Like, we're teaching you well type thing. Um, well, I couldn't but, tell because I wasn't there. Was Durant, was Durant reacting? Because the way they kept cutting to Durant's reaction, you couldn't tell if he was, like, what was he doing, or if it was like uh, if it was like think, good job kid? Because they just kept going and looking like kid. he was shocked. I couldn't. Really I think tell it was good job kid. 
because he got he got like an and one on it and Durant right. did that thing where you know you raise your arm and like do count it yes like he was he did that like three times so yes. I don't think he was like that was you know and he's looking down at Rick Carlisle basically going and one so right. I don't think I don't think he's uh, yeah I couldn't good. I couldn't really tell because they just kept he, showing him up with his hand over his mouth on TV and I, I yeah. couldn't really figure out what happened so Carlisle calls like on a you know an immediate timeout <laughs> right. like you know this is a message that I'm calling timeout right and. I, I don't know. I'm still maybe I was still like kind of like absorbing what was going on, but I saw Bell walking over and you know I saw David West and Livingston down there talking with Kerr, and then Kerr brings him over and like the coaches and some of the vets are sitting there talking to Bell, and later they're saying they're telling him, "Hey, you got about two and a half minutes. Like, watch yourself for a potential hard foul here. Like, just protect yourself right. and know that something might be happening because they're not happy." Originally at the time, I was thinking, you know, maybe he's calling him over there to say like, "Hey, like, don't do that again," because that's a very uh, regardless of if you think it's disrespectful or not, like that's a tough play to complete. Like, just you know, right. if that's a if that's mid second quarter, Steve Kerr just wants to dump. You know, right. go put it in, right. get two points. Because what if you just pass that a little off and it ricochets back, and suddenly it's a fast break the other way? Well, and as much as fans like it, let's be honest, like that's not a great look, right? I mean, <laughs> it's just it's just not a great look to be up twenty four points in with two and a half minutes to go, and to be to be doing stuff like it, that. I mean, it, it, it's um, fun to watch, but it, it's just not. It's it's not ideal. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of of the mind of whatever. It it did remind me of the uh, Javale McGee took a corner three late in the late in the blowout last year, and yes. Brandon, Brandon Jennings just threw him into the first row. Yes, basically. <laughs> yes, I remember that. <laughs> um, so it's um, but anyway. So then we get to the post game, and you know, oh well, um, you know, where we sit in Dallas. I mean, it's it's courtside basically. And um, Kerr comes over, you know, game ends. Kerr comes over, and clearly he's trying to apologize to Carlisle. Right. Uh, but, I mean, you, you know how it is in Dallas where it's like, obviously, you have one side of the scores table, like, that's the court, and the other side is kind of like their little tunnel back to the home locker room. Carlisle just bolted right towards the locker room. Kerr had to, like, lean over the scores table. It was, like, patting his own chest. Like, hey, you know, Rick, my bad. Like, I, I tried to tell him. Like, he was trying to, like, make sure he could get Rick to Carlisle's attention. Carlisle kind of just waved him off and, and just stormed right away right and it was like oh wow I, and like that was the first time i was like oh wow carlos like really not happy about this right um i think he downplayed it a little bit post game uh there i think a lot more of their frustrations they're sitting there at zero and four looking yes. awful right now yes um, uh, i would agree with that but anyway uh we get to to post game and you know kurt does the coaching thing where he kind of apologized again for it in his press conference uh and then we go to the locker room and Bell, who I got a pretty good relationship with, is over there, uh, you know, kind of thumbing through his phone. I think he was maybe even looking at the highlight. Uh, <laughs> I'm not I, surprised. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I walked over to him and I was like, you know, asked him, you know, about the play, blah, blah, blah. And then like about the conversation with Kerr and right about two questions in, uh, like I said, Durant and Draymond, who they both love Jordan Bell. Um, they have his locker room, his visiting locker room in Dallas was in between them. And they kind of arrived back at their locker at the same time I'm sitting there talking to Jordan Bell. And I, I you know, they list, they're listening in. They always are. And sure, I'm, right. They're always paying I'm attention, asked, those guys. Yeah. I'm asked, I started asking about, like, the conversation with Kerr. And, you know, Bell's being, like, a, the nice rookie about it. You know, like, well, you know, Steve wasn't mad, but he was just telling me, you know, watch myself, blah, blah, blah. And then Durant and Draymond start cutting in. Like, I remember Durant was like, don't, make, don't let him make you feel guilty, J.B., that, you know, that's just a dunk, JB. Like, they were just kind of like, <laughs> you know, 
basketball is an art form. You know, if they don't want it, like they can defend better. <laughs> basketball is like. an art form. That's tremendous. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of that kind of back and forth. And then like two minutes later, Draymond's going out to do his post-game presser. Sure. And as you know, Draymond off to the side doesn't change when Draymond's in front of the game. Oh, no. Draymond, and Draymond, honestly, is, Draymond what, what you see is what you get 365 days a year, 24 hours a day with him. Yeah. So, honestly, sometimes he even turns it up even more. Yes. Uh, yes, he does. So I was like, I'm just going to throw this question out to him. And that opinion he just gave me in there, like he can do it in front of the cameras as well. Uh, and he, I don't know if he saw the quote, but he, you know, he very much well, give, give, the, give the people a, give the people a, uh, a, a PC version of the quote. I mean, it was basically like, look, uh, people are always evaluating you. You can do what you want on the basketball court. You know, the only, at, by the end, his point was the only thing I, I told the rookie was you got to make the free throw. Cause it was sweet. He got an and one. He's got to finish <laughs> that off. Right. Which is great. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was just a bunch of that. And, uh, you know, it was a fun little, I mean, that was just one of two things that happened. Also, Dennis Smith, the rookie on the Mavericks, went and tried to hammer a dunk on Draymond. Yeah, Dennis Smith, another guy who does not care. Yeah. <laughs> he will he will try to dunk on everybody. Yeah, and Draymond fouled him, and then the camera caught him saying, like, don't you know, don't even try that again, rookie. And then he was asked about a post game, and basically he was like, this ain't summer league. That is, that's never happened. <laughs> um, oh, he's the best. So it was a fun night in Dallas, uh, to, I guess, to sum it yeah, up. Yeah, it, it, definitely, it definitely was interesting. And it, and it was all preceded by Steph Curry actually not being suspended uh, for throwing his mouthpiece, which I was surprised about at least until he was not suspended uh, by the morning shoot-around Monday. I kind of thought if he was going to be suspended, they would just have him out of the way before that even started. The fact that it dragged out all day, you kind of figured – the NBA was not going to suspend him, and it turned out that they gave him the maximum allowable fine, $50,000. And, you know, as the league office was quick to tell everyone, they couldn't completely determine whether Steph was throwing the mouthpiece at the ref or not. Uh, so he didn't get suspended. They they reminded me when they talked to me about the play last year, Marquise Morris chucked a ball, and people couldn't tell if it was at the ref or not. And he didn't get suspended. Uh, what was just your general take on that whole play on Steph uh, getting ejected in the first place? And... You know, oddly, the fact that, you know, this is all happening while he's getting more calls, at least to start the year, than he ever has before. Yeah, uh, it didn't hit the ref, which is, uh, I think, an important point. I think Haslam, it happened in like 06 or something. Right, he hit Haslam through it, and it hit Crawford. I think if it hit, even if Curry comes out and says, I really didn't Yeah, if he hit him, he definitely did, was going to get just Yeah, right. that would have been a game. So that's the one point that the NBA is saying, look, he didn't hit him, number one. And number two, like I, I agree with him. Like, how can they really prove intent when you have the guy that did it saying, like, I swear I didn't mean to do it. I was just kind of throwing in frustration. And when he landed, he was kind of already pointed at the ref. It didn't look good. Like, in real time, when I saw it, I was like, dude, he just threw it. I think he just threw the, his mouth guard at the ref. Listen, I think, I think it's, it's hard to think that he – I mean, listen, he could say he didn't mean to throw it at the ref. But, I mean, look, he turned around and screamed at the ref and chucked his mouthpiece in his direction. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, yeah. he, he might not have got suspended for it, but, like, by the letter of the law, he got off. But, I mean, it still, it still wasn't – again, just like the Jordan Bell thing, it, it wasn't an ideal look. And it's obviously not the first time that's happened with him. Yeah. That's the thing. He's a multiple offender, which, you know, I think that it kind of worked out for the NBA to say, hey, look, we doubled his fine from last time. That means, like, you know, we are saying, hey, you're a multiple offender. Uh, you know, there's a progression of penalties. And I th- I can almost guarantee you if he throws it a third time at any point, that's going to be a one-gamer. Um, you would think but, so. Yeah. 50K is a lot. I mean, it's not a lot that much for Steph Curry, but, it, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's like you said, the maximum. Um, and then the other thing is, like, and NBA would never say this, but, look, like, you know how many Steph Curry jerseys were in Dallas last night? 
You know how many disappointed kids would have been coming to the game if hearing that, hey, Steph Curry's back at the hotel, he can't show up and play tonight. Uh, the NBA always talks about wanting their stars, especially in road games, to show up and play and not be rested. You know, that's a big thing this year. They're going to penalize teams for resting players. Right. Well, you know, it was almost their choice. And if they're sitting there with a with a reasonable out to just give them a maximum fine and allow him to play and then allow the – I mean, look, I'm being generous. Like 800 Steph Curry jerseys in, you know, American Airlines Arena. I mean, I don't know how many road games. Right. You've, been a, you've been a lot of road games. And, like, Dallas is one of the bigger cities for it. But, like, the Steph Curry jerseys are everywhere. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. So – um, I think that I think that might have played a small factor. If you know, they, they clearly were like on the fence with it, um, but that certainly probably helped Curry's case to to play, and uh, he did. And he, you mentioned it with the whole uh, he's getting more fouls than every first time in his career right now on this road trip. He had ten free throws, thirteen free throws, thirteen free throws. First time he's ever gone ten or more attempts in three straight games. Um, he's aggressive. His numbers are really good right now. Uh, the only issue that he's been having, and it's part of his frustration in the Memphis game when it happened, is not only is he getting fouled a lot, he is fouling a lot. He's got he got in bad foul trouble in the opener when they lost to Houston. Was only allowed to play thirty minutes, uh, and then the same thing in Memphis. He had four fouls in the first two quarters. Uh, had a, was benched in the first in foul trouble. Benched in the second quarter. Had five fouls by the end of the third quarter. Uh, and I think a lot of that blame is on himself, and he knows it is. But that really added to the frustration uh, when he chucked them out the mouth If you enjoyed this podcast and are interested in learning more about the NBA, you can get my weekly NBA newsletter, the Monday Morning Post-Up, delivered right to your inbox every Monday morning at 8 a.m. To do so, please go to wapo.st slash postup newsletter to subscribe. You'll get an original column from me, links to my work from the past week, links to work from both my colleagues at the Washington Post and other writers from around the web about the league, a viewing guide for the week ahead, and some dining and pop culture recommendations. Again, to subscribe to the Monday Morning Post-Up, please go to wapo.st slash post-up newsletter and start your week off right with everything you need to know about the NBA. Yeah, no, it's it's been uh, it's been an interesting thing to uh, it's been an interesting thing to kind of watch unfold. I, I know you said you haven't really had any worries about them. I, I think that's obviously the proper way to look at this. They're they're far superior to everybody else if they stay healthy. I don't think many people would really argue with that. Uh, that being said, through four games, besides some of the oddities we've seen, what has uh, has anything really stood out to you about their start and the way they've played? Oh, um, you know, there's been actually a lot of good signs or trends, I guess if you want to say it. Like, Clay Thompson looks really good, as good as he looked at all all of last season. I mean, I know people don't really remember much now, but he really struggled with the shot in the playoffs. And, uh, that was probably his um, least impactful he's been as an offensive player. Um, but he's really come out hot this season. He was good in New Orleans. He was really good opening night. Um, he's shooting it well, looks in shape. Curry's been great. Durant's shooting it well from three, if you look at his numbers. Their defense has been the issue. I mean, their defensive rating's in like the 110s, although it might have it might have shrunk a little bit below that last night. Um, but we aren't – I mean, who's concerned about their defense at this point? Um, so offensively, all their main guys who all had down years from three last year are shooting it well through four games. Not a huge deal, but uh, Draymond's offensive numbers are a little bit down. I mean, that's something that monitor. And then, I, you know, I guess the two other things when you look at 
you know, the newcomers, the Nick Young, Patrick McCaw battle for the backup shooting guard. Like Steve Kerr's pretty much made it a point that he's only going to play one of the two. And it seems like it's night to night on that one. Uh, it was McCaw got a DMP in New Orleans. And then McCaw was over Nick Young in Memphis where Nick Young only got five minutes. It was uh, Nick Young, you know, hopped them again in Dallas. So that's kind of a battle to watch as, as those two try to figure that out. And then the other one's just like Jordan Bell continues, you know, backboard dunk included to look really good, like a, an immediate NBA contributor uh, at this point. I mean, JaVale McGee comes in last night, gets 3,000, literally two minutes. Uh, and then Jordan Bell comes in and gets two buckets in about two minutes, both set up by Draymond Green, who he has a good connection with on the court. Uh, he is going to continue to get a bigger role. Yeah, no, I agree. We talked about that, uh, I believe, on the uh, the first stock report where you had uh, you kind of dismissed um, dismissed the idea of him taking minutes from Javale at first. And I, I dismiss might have been might be a strong descriptor. Well, no, but I just I I mean I'm not even saying you were wrong to do that. I, I mean your point was that you didn't see him taking minutes from a vet right away, and I I, I think you know people are going to focus on the dunk, but I think what that takes away from is the fact that the guy. You know, as you chronicled when he was in China and really throughout the season, whenever he's gotten on the court, even in limited minutes, he's been able to make a positive impact. And even though I think the Warriors were excited about the possibility of him when they got him, I, I think he's certainly exceeded even their expectations at this point for him to come in and immediately be a guy they, that looks like they might be able to rely on even for just a few minutes a night. I think it's his offense which surprised him. I mean, yeah, he for was, sure. He was always a defensive guy. Yes, exactly. I mean, he was pumped as like, look, this guy can come in and probably be a plus level NBA defender from day one. But if he is lost offensively and you can't play him, um, and he's just like having those rookie mistakes out there, then you know he's just going to have a learning curve. But he's come in. He's good as a you know he can play the four man and the five man, which like that's pretty rare for Steve Kerr. Like David West traditionally is a power forward, but no longer like in this Warriors system he can't be. None of the other guys can. Jones, Zaza, right. Javale, like none right. of those guys can play four. Uh, Bell has come in and he can be Draymond Light and actually play power forward like legitimately. Um, so that, you know, and that means he's catching it. If, you know, he can swing it off the pass. He's making the Draymond type passes. He doesn't initiate the offense nearly as much as Draymond, but just his ability to pass, cut, finish, sense when to, you know, get to locations, rebound powerfully. I mean, he's an athletic freak as you, you know, saw on the backward dunk. So, um, Look, they they got it. They stole him away from the Bulls, and it's looking worse and worse every day for that for Chicago. Yeah, not a not a great uh, not a great look season. It's looking like for the Bulls, and uh, that's just one of uh, many reasons why at this point that they sold that pick that turned into uh, tended to Jordan Bell. I, I do I do think it's curious the uh, the relationship between uh, Durant and Draymond and Jordan Bell. I mean, I think you can argue that a main reason that JaVale McGee is back on this team is because of the relationship he had with in particular those two guys and really with a lot of the guys on the team uh, who enjoyed having him around last year. Um, Where do you think that's, where do you think that's come from? And uh, does that, do you think that's going to have any impact on, you know, potentially him, you know, being able to, is that any part of the reason why he's been able to work himself into the mix a little bit earlier than maybe people might've guessed? Yeah, I mean, I think his personality is just really messy, especially with Draymond. You know, we see he's smart, he's quick-witted. Um, he's able to like have like comebacks to to some of Draymond's quips. And, you know, and, and, and if anybody is going to throw a uh, a dunk, a, a ball to himself off the backboard and dunk it, they're clearly not going to be afraid to uh, yeah. speak their mind. 
Yeah, but also at this like he he has that ability, which like immediately okay, I think Draymond respects that. Like you know, come back at Draymond a little right. bit, and he'll respect you more. But also like he is incredibly receptive to like Draymond's uh, on and off court lessons. Uh, and you know, I mean, the truth is he's got. You go back three four years, there's quotes of him at Oregon talking about how he wants to be Draymond Green. He sees himself as Draymond Green, so he immediately more than most players, I think. Uh, appreciates Draymond Green's style of play, and because he lets Draymond know about that, I mean, look, if some young writer was just idolizing you, Tim Bontemps, and he's coming up and telling you all the ways he wants to write like you, you'd probably, uh, you know, maybe be flattered by it a little bit. And um, I think that, it, and look, and now he's coming in and he's producing, and Draymond, they're saying, look, we got another player on and this guy's going to play, and he's going to make big plays. And, you know, he's already – Draymond's already thrown three or four alley-oops. Um, so there is a strong mentorship connection between those two right now. And, look, Kevin Durant is very friendly with Draymond and, you know, friendly with pretty much anyone in the locker room. But uh, he's kind of in that little mini circle, yeah. and he's taking a liking to Jordan Bell too. Yeah, I would, I would tell anybody who said that to me to go find a, a better – idol than me but uh i know i think i think that's a great i think that's a great point uh on on him idolizing draymond and and you look you look at his game and even the stuff that he does on the court i mean he obviously isn't a shooter uh even to the point you know draymond's not a great shooter but he's competent and bell is then where even knew that but you look at the other stuff he does from being able to do dribble handoffs being able to catch the ball at the top of the key you know put the ball on the floor once and either get to the rim or make a pass like he could do a lot of that stuff like you said that that Draymond can do. And and this is something else we talked about when we initially talked about Bell. I mean, what do you think the chance, I mean, I know it's only three or four games, four games into his NBA career. So this probably is premature, but when you look at a roster that is going to be expensive, when you look at a roster with a lot of guys who are pretty old at that position at the center spot, I mean, are you seeing more and more of a possibility that, you know, this guy could potentially be say this team's starting center, uh, a year from now when, you know, maybe they've moved on from some of these older guys that are currently at the position in front of them? Yeah, I've, I've completely moved over to your opinion on that. Which is, <laughs> uh, I do think he's going to be the starter next year. For all the reasons we're mentioning now, uh, he's cheap too. I mean, Well, the, the interesting so- thing about that is he's only cheap for one more year. And, he- and even more, I think, than Patrick McCaw, he is a guy that could get expensive for them quick. And it's going to make for an interesting situation when you have him and Clay Thompson. This is very far ahead, but you have him and Clay Thompson, both going to be free agents two years from now. And that could, that could get a little dicey for the Warriors. If, uh, you know, he goes from being a guy that's making a million dollars to a guy that's making $10 million in terms of trying to keep all those guys under contract. Yeah. um, That is maybe when they invest a little bit in their big man situation. And maybe that is, you know that's the same year they can maybe cut ties with Livingston, and I think he was only getting two million of it, an eight million guarantee. Yeah, him and uh, we'll Iguodala at that we'll point see are both in the you, last year of their contracts. Yeah, and like I said, I mean Livingston's is not guaranteed. Iguodala's is guaranteed, but you know maybe they move on from that. That's that will be a conversation when it comes up. We're only four games into his career, so <laughs> right? Right. I think that's very early. premature. Very premature. Yeah. Uh, but you know what else? What else is going to be the conversation there is they could have got him for three years if they had not given the taxpayer mid-level or at least Nick all, Young. Of, all of the taxpayer mid-level to Nick Young. Nick Young. Yep. Um, and Nick Young's been pretty good through four games, actually. I mean, he's shooting it well. His defense has been very uh, suspect. But no, and, that, and that was a decision. I can I can tell you for sure that's a, that is a, a decision that was had a lot of back and forth to it. I mean, they, they were they, – they didn't sign Jordan Bell for a while, 
And the reason why was they were trying to figure out exactly what they were going to do with that, if they were going to give him a third year or not. And, you know, you look at, again, it is very early on, but you look at him uh, playing like this now and you think, man, if you could have had that guy at basically the minimum for three years, uh, you know, that extra year of being cheap might end up really being a, a big deal in the long run. No doubt. But, I mean, these are first world problems in the NBA. They certainly obviously. are. And and that, that year after his contract is up, the Warriors are going to be moving into their – uh, their new stadium, which we both have gotten tours of, at least virtually, and uh, I think it's I think it's safe to say, and I think you would agree that uh, they'll be printing money uh, even more than they are now when they move into that place. So it might not be as much of an issue as people think. Yeah, no, they're gonna make. I mean, they're gonna spend. They're already a little over budget, over schedule, or they're on schedule, but a little over budget on it right now, uh, and it's gonna end up costing a crazy amount because construction right now in the San Francisco area is just so expensive, but. You know, once they get two years of, of events rolling through there and they're going to own because they're pay, privately paying for 100 percent of it, they're going to own 100 percent of it. They're going to operate the entire thing. Rick Welch, their president, talked to me about like um, the different wing in their organization. They're hiring a bunch of people to, who are basically, you know, going to put on the, con, you know, big concerts there and, you know, maybe a Democratic convention and NCAA tournaments. They're trying to get all star weekend. Uh, they're probably they're trying to fill that up about 200 nights a year. And that is just it's going to be a source of revenue for this organization that's uh, unmatched really in the league. Oh, it's going to be it's going to be an absolute cash cow. I mean, I, I've seen that I, like we've both gotten the same tour separately. And I mean, it's just going to be a palace and it's going to like you said, they're going to own and operate the entire thing. They're going to it's the only concert facility that's going to be in San Francisco for like big events. Uh, they're just going to I think they're just going to rake it in. And, you know, I, you know, it might cost them a lot out of pocket to keep this group together, but they're going to have a lot in their pocket to spend because they, uh, they, it's just, it's just going to cost, it's just going to, they're just going to have so much money coming in. Yeah. And you, you know, when they open this thing, they're going to want to open it with it, with that star sided roster, um, to promote it. So they're going to want to keep all the guys together just for at least the first, what, two seasons there. You would think so. I mean, that that's always been my hesitation when people have said, oh, they're definitely going to move on from Clay Thompson or they're going to trade Draymond Green or they're going to do something. I just I, – I look at I, – A, I, I think about the, the, the way that the ownership group, you know, in particular Joe Lacob kind of views the team and views himself. And I also look at how much money they're spending to build this palace to move their team into. I just can't see them making the team worse before they get there. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Now, maybe they don't keep it that way forever and they move on in a couple of years after that. But I, I just can't, uh, I just can't see, I just can't see them, you know, bailing on that group. Even if they do just move on from one of those guys and try to get like picks and cheap players back, it, it just, it just would go against the way they've operated to, uh, to bail on it just as they're moving into that place. Yeah. I mean, unless it logistically makes sense or, you know, Stuff happens over the next couple of years because you know how the NBA is. One yep. guy declines, a guy gets injured. But I mean, I think for sure you're sitting there going, Steph's going to be there because he's become the sure. most famous player in franchise history and will continue to. He's locked into that huge deal. And then as long as Durant wants to stay here, they're going to keep Durant there. So yep. they're going to have their two mega stars. Uh, and then I think they'd like to have Clay and Draymond. But I, I mean, I wouldn't, nobody's locking that in for sure. We just, we'll see. We'll see what happens we'll next see. couple of yeah, years. We'll see what happens. Uh, what, has there been anything, uh, even though there are no long-term issues, I think we agree. Is there anything that has uh, been any kind of concern to you at all or anything you're kind of wondering about uh, through the first four games or is it, or is there just literally nothing that you think really matters long-term? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's all just like 
stuff on the fringes of, of how they're playing, how they're focused. It's, it's like everything is so day to day. It's not long term, you know. It's when they lose. It's not like you know. Is this a you know? Is this the downfall of them? It's more like hey, like Kerr, why aren't they focused right now? You know, it's it, it's all in, in the immediate. I mean, is there anything for you? If you go back into their roster, I mean, we could talk about is Nick Young going to um, be a contributor this year, but that doesn't really matter that much. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, I, I, I've been pretty, pretty consistent that if they are healthy, they're the best team by a lot and they will, uh, and they will, they will win uh, the championship. But I, I do think there are some interesting things to look at. I think uh, the options for both Kevon Looney and Damian Jones, I think will be interesting to see if they pick up either of them. Uh, I think they'll pick up the Jones option. I don't think they'll pick yeah, up the, I agree. Uh, the the Looney option, but I don't think it's a, a lock. They pick up the Jones option either. Um, you know, he hasn't really done anything yet. He doesn't look like he's really ready to be an NBA player. I could see them just saying, look, if he shows anything, maybe we bring him back on a minimum deal or we just move on from him. And that wouldn't shock me, especially when they have McCaw from the same draft who looks like a keeper and they have Jordan Bell. It's not like they they need to hang on to a sunk cost there if they think he is one, Um, especially with their tax bill. Any any money they could save is money money well saved. So uh, I think those are going to be interesting to watch. I do think the Nick Young thing has been interesting. I thought it was interesting – you know, we haven't really talked about Steve. I mean, you kind of glossed over it, but Steve Kerr has ripped the team's conditioning quite a bit. Uh, and and Nick Young, you know, they've pretty much just flat out said he didn't show up in shape, which I thought was interesting. Uh, and and you've kind of mentioned the back and forth with him and Pat McCaw. And in the long run, how do you, do you think that's ever going to really sort itself out this year? Or do you think it's just kind of, kind of be a rotating thing in and out with, you know, one of those guys playing and then maybe when – you know, an Iguodala or a, a Durant or a Clay Thompson gets the night off, then they both play. I'd say Nick Young's like kind of uh, ahead of him right now on the in the pecking order, but I think it's going to be a rotating thing. Steve Kerr, as he will say many times, he likes to keep everyone kind of activated on that bench. So I don't think I don't think suddenly Patrick McCaw is going to go four straight DMPs. Um, right. So that's kind of the main thing with it. Uh, I'd say one other thing. Uh, you mentioned the health a little bit around this team. I mean, Draymond had the scare on opening night, which he said originally he was worried it was his meniscus. I mean, there that's, that needs to be monitored the health around the team and the health around the head coach, um, which hasn't been talked about a ton, but I think he's, I think it's been encouraging how good of a mood he's been in. I know it's funny. We're sitting here talking about him ripping the team, but he's made like 25 jokes in the first three weeks yeah. that, yeah. Uh, that are hilarious, number one. And number two, they, to me, just like he's been so much more engaged in the media setting. Yeah, uh, he which... he had said to me uh, after he came back, I was talking about something and then I just kind of briefly said, hey, how you feeling? And he, you know, he was encouraged. And I think to your point, uh, I, you've been, I haven't been around the team that much. You've been around it way more than me, obviously. But like you said, I kind of noticed a similar thing where he – Last year, he wouldn't really necessarily stop and chat that much. He kind of would like talk and leave. Um, and not like he's always been a friendly guy with everybody, but you just knew he was dealing with a lot. And, you know, like the, I remember one day after he came back, he stood in kind of BS with a bunch of us for 10 minutes and was talking about going to China and what the, his passport situation, just all this different stuff. And was was able to kind of sit there and have a conversation that I agree with you. I don't think he would have had a year before. So I, I, do, I do think that that's been encouraging. And, um, you know, even him making jokes about, uh, about Steph, uh, you know, nearly 
you know, seriously injuring a bunch of people with the mouthpiece thing and just little stuff like that. It does, it does seem like he's getting closer back to being the guy he was before all this stuff and that he is making progress, which is a really, uh, it's a really nice thing to see for a guy who's really had to go through hell the last couple of years to just do his job. No doubt. So that's been, uh, that's been good. And so, yeah, I, I think, I think that pretty much covers it. Unless, is there anything that we've missed that you think has been interesting about this group so far? Or have we touched all the bases? Uh, you know, we pretty much touched them all. That's, um, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Well, all right, man. Thanks for, thanks for checking in on these guys. I appreciate it. I'll, uh, I'm glad we get back to the stock report uh, uh, tonight. This is going to go up Wednesday morning. So be good to get back to that with the Raptors game. And then a really interesting game, I think, with the Wizards on Friday. Two two interesting teams. Raptors played the, the Warriors pretty tough last year. So that'll be interesting. And, and Washington looks really good to start the year. So that should be fun. But uh, let the people know where they can follow you. And if you've got anything coming up here uh, to read on The Athletic, uh, let them know what they should look for. Um, uh, Anthony V. Slater on Twitter. Uh, I'll tweet out all my stuff. Yeah, The Athletic, which we're a subscription-based uh, website. We do all things Bay Area, at least our version of it. There's plenty of them across the country. And, uh, you know, I just got a lot of Warriors coverage coming up, basically. Uh, and that's, yeah. Well, there will be there will be a lot of Warriors coverage in the occasional Brandon Moore on Q&A. So be sure to look out for that. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so, all right, man. Thanks a lot for doing this, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks again to Anthony for doing the podcast. Really appreciate it. Nobody covers the Warriors better, so be sure to follow his work online and at The Athletic and check his stuff out. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps and on Facebook at Tim Bontemps NBA. You could also find my work in the pages of The Washington Post or on the newspaper's website at washingtonpost.com slash sports. Please go find the podcast wherever you get it, either at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, tune in a radio public give us a five-star rating and review really appreciate it definitely helps the podcast out so if you can do that it'd be great thank you to glenn yoder in the western states for the theme music for the podcast those guys are great i've seen them in concert in person really enjoy their music a lot of people have commented how much they like the music on the pod so definitely go check it out if you don't mind uh, go buy their work and support those guys we'll be back again with another podcast on friday uh, but until then thank you as always for listening and we'll talk to you all again soon